helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and it's good to have you with us on a 4th of July. Thanks for joining us. Whether you're a baby boomer saving for retirement or a millennial getting married and buying off that, paying off that debt, or that's common concerns. Most of us, the same generations, all of us worry about money. That's just the natural way it is. It just doesn't go away. And, uh, whether you just got married and you're thinking about it or you've been married a long time, money is an issue. If you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home, that's what we're talking about today, investing in your 401k, buying the right kind of insurance or looking for the, you know, the right amount of life insurance or disability or property and casualty. It doesn't make any difference. If you're just looking for tips on how to jumpstart your savings plan, this is the program for you. Always send them to us at talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll do the best we can to get those questions on the air. Today, we're talking about buying a home. And the final segment of the program, we're going to talk about the CARES Act. And you don't want to miss that. Shannon Dyson will be us will be with us at that point. But let's talk about buying. Now, everybody knows, this is old news, that, you know, the spring home market, the buying season that we always think about. Everybody gets out in the spring and they're buying this house. And it was anything but normal. The You know, what traditionally has been the busiest season for buying and selling homes was completely upended by COVID-19. I mean, it was, a, it was horrible. I mean, think about it. Pandemic created concerns about entering a home, going into somebody's home that you didn't know, and even job security. And all while, at the same time today, potential buyers are hearing that interest rates are lower than ever, but it's become very difficult to get a loan. And I'm sure many of you have felt the pressure, the uncertainty of not knowing if you can truly afford the home of your dreams or if you're thinking about refinancing, is now a good time? Well, that's what we're talking about today. I am privileged to have a lovely lady with us, Miss Amanda Lee. She's with Keller Williams Realty. Amanda, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, lady, I am impressed. I just want to talk to you because buying and selling homes in today's market is tough, and you're out there in the middle of it, and you're doing a great job with it. What are you seeing as far as in our local market real estate right now? What's going on in Memphis and the Mid-South? Well, inventory is extremely low, but it's definitely a seller's market. Um, it's easy to tell when homes are priced right because they are flying off the market within hours. Wow. So price right. Now, now I would have, I'd have be tempted, you know, uh, if, if I thought it's a seller's market, do I have a tendency to maybe put a little more priciness into the house? You sound like a typical seller. <laughs> I'm sure I would be. Uh, does that slow it down or what does that do? You just have to be creative when um, you go through all the process of getting a house under contract. You have um, the appraisal and everything else that builds into it. So if you overprice it and then it gets a contract at that price, you could still have to roll back down to where it's actually priced right. I understand that you're married to an appraiser. Yes, sir, I am. So that's the analytical side of this team. Now, let me ask you this. Do, does that help? Because, I mean, he's got to say, eh, you're way out of line. Or what? I mean, does he help that buyer, I mean, that seller know what to do as far as if you're looking from that standpoint? He definitely tries. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, let me also introduce Dane Williams with us. Of course, he's with Shoemaker you know, Financial. He's in our insurance division. Welcome to the program, Dane. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you inviting me. One of the things that I think happens, Dane, in this whole market is you're talking to people as they're talking. I know you, you use Amanda a lot. She works with you a lot. The guys, are you, you're talking about dealing with the insurance side of helping them insure. What about somebody who's bought a house and you think it's overpriced? Is that a possibility? I mean, would she would she say that is overpriced, but they bought it? Yeah, so the conversations a lot of times we have with, with realtors is that they are um, focused on market value, right? What something would buy or sell for because that's where they live. They're the experts on that. An insurance company isn't really concerned about market value. More so rebuild cost is what they're concerned about. Whether you've got a home that is in the absolute best neighborhood in the city or the worst neighborhood in the city, the cost of granite, the cost of shingles, the cost of bricks does not change. So your market value may move a lot because of that. I got that. But the rebuild cost may have no bearing on that whatsoever. It can be higher, lower, anywhere in between. So somebody doesn't, they don't need to get concerned about that when you're talking about So when they're buying, at the time you get to the point of working with them with their insurance, it's not going to be a factor in what they're doing. No, it shouldn't. The, the lenders may have some concern. They want to make sure that they're going to be able to get out of the home what it is that they are uh, investing in it whenever they're loaning the money. Uh, but there are different provisions in homeowners insurance contracts to make sure they're covered. That makes a lot of sense. Amanda, I know the city's hot. There's, you know, as you said, it's a seller's market. So if someone has decided they want to sell their home, I mean, I, I'm thinking, okay, this is the thing to do. Do you have any tips of what you would want them to know? Here's some guidelines and some rules they need to be looking for if they're going to sell their house. So typically you want to make sure your house is extremely clean, extremely decluttered. You also want to make sure everyone feels like you love your home because it, if you love it, then they obviously will want to love it as well. So that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about that. You know, if you, I understand the clean, I understand clutter. No, I don't. I mean, my wife says I don't. <laughs> she says that the clutter is your middle name. I'm really not that cluttered, I'll be honest with you, but my study right now looks cluttered. But so keeping my house clean, unclutter it, and act like I love my home. Now that, I'm thinking that's got to be, do you ever have anyone, Amanda, where you feel like sometimes that that's an issue? Sometimes. I mean, majority of the time someone's selling their house because they want to move, they need a bigger house, or they want a smaller house. Um, so usually they're going to 100% um, want to love their home enough, but the family pictures and stuff like that is not necessarily something you have to take down. Just maybe minimalize it. Um which is still part of like decluttering. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard, because we get to do a lot of events that are, whether it's open houses or whatnot, where we're seeing buyers come into home, and oftentimes I'll hear them ask, why are they moving? What's the reason for them deciding they don't love this great house? What's the problem? They're looking for that. And oftentimes when you have that story to tell them that, well, he got transferred for his job or they needed a bigger house, a smaller house, whatever it is, that helps relieve some of that anxiety they may have about making an offer on it. And it's always a good thing to be able to have that story. Well, as we speak and recently there, and that's a great point, I think that's, there's some things that some people have told me and I'm going to ask you, Amanda, because I think it's important. Are there any updates to a home that, that they should stay away from? I mean, I have a pool that I'm having to have some repair. Now, my choice, I would like to fill it up, make it a rose garden, <laughs> but that's not gonna happen uh, at this point. Miss so, Linda says no? No, Miss Linda says that's not gonna happen. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, but, but it's, I like the pool, but you know what? I, tell me about those things. I'm a seller, 
What about some things that should I should I do or should I not do? Well, kitchen and bathroom updates are always items that you'll see a big um, return on investment for. Um, typically, it's the kids that want the pool, but the parents want a nice bathroom and kitchen because they're the owners of the house, and okay. that's where they're going to spend a lot of their time. The pool's great, but not necessarily a negative, but there's also a lot of buyers out there that don't want pools because they have small kids or um, pets that jump in the pool all the time or something like that. So, so. a pool could be a positive mm-hmm. and equally also a negative. Right. Is there any area of the city that you would say has just been absolutely on fire differently than the others? Or, or what are you finding? I mean, I kind of feel like everything right now is just, just going. going. If it's good, it's gone. That makes a lot of sense. If it's good, I like that. If it's good, it's gone. That's good. I like that. Okay. All right. I'm a seller. I've done it. Probably going to have to keep the pool, need to fix the bathroom, update it, all those things. But the reality is now if I'm a buyer... I feel like I'm a, I'm a victim in this market. So help me, what do I do if I'm a buyer? What, what are things I should be looking for if I'm going to buy a home? Um, obviously, if you try to limit your contingencies in a, in a purchase. So contingencies of financing, appraisal would be a type of financing contingency, inspections, sale of a home. If there's a way for you to figure out to afford a home without that sale of a house or... Um, just want to be competitive you want to go in strong with if it's if it's a good house and you love it the second you walk in go for it yeah one of the things i have question about amanda because you get in a lot of multiple offer situations um is it frequently that you are competing against people that have maybe lost several other offers and that's why you need to be so competitive right off the bat or what's that process been like for you yes um recently we had a listing that I got multiple offers and there were two other people that had been in multiple, multiple offers. Um, so they came in super strong and I was like shocked. I mean, it was like one of the best offers I've ever seen. When you say super strong, what do you mean super strong? I mean, um, I, let, me, when, let me clarify for our listeners because, by the way, if you just tuned in, we're talking about buying and selling a house in Memphis and Shelby County. And according to Amanda Lee with Keller Williams Realty, it's a hot market. Sellers, you got it's the best market they've seen in years. Buyers, sorry, <laughs> just you're gonna just pay for it, you know. But but hey, it's uh, it works. It it all comes around. It all cycles through. But here's the good part: uh, we got some homes, but uh, you have to be. We've heard a word called strong, and uh, you know it's just not something I'm thinking of. So you say strong and multiple offers. Define that for me. You want to distinguish your offer from other offers, so make yourself stand out. Um, People always say you can do a cover letter. Not really sure how that does for a seller's bottom line, but um, they could connect with you possibly or um, coming in with an escalation clause, coming in with something that sets you right above that next person, Um, tries to give the seller exactly what they want. You do your research, find out what their um, closing dates are, what's their ideal move date, do they have somewhere to go? Um, you just want to give the seller exactly what they want to get the home you want. Wow. Sellers um, sellers are in the catbird seat, mm-hmm. bottom line. They're driving the plane. There's no question about it. All right. I understand that. No contingencies. Try your best to have no contingencies. So the old adage that I don't, I need to sell my house before, that's probably out the window is what you're saying. For the most part, unless you have like a strong, like ironclad contract on your house. Now, the problem with that is when you... Uh, if you don't know where you want to move or don't have a house to move to, um, you don't want to put your house in the market because 
it's a seller's market. And if it's a good house, it's going to go. You could be on the street. <laughs> right. Or you might move in with your realtor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. But uh, um, if you can get your house under contract and kind of give yourself some flexibility so that you can get everything, get through all the contingencies that may be on your house, like the appraisal or inspections, get through all of those and then just um, move forward with being able to remove that because you know yours is set in stone and ready to go. All right. If you'd like to talk with Amanda, she can be reached at Keller Williams Realty. Let me give you her email address, and, and I think it helps everybody. It's, it's um, I'm looking for it. D. Oh. Del- no, that's Dane Williams. That's me. That's, that's me. No, she's yeah. at, she's yeah. at the uh, Lee Team Memphis I at got Lee T. That's it. I'm sorry. My fault. Lee Team <laughs> Memphis at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, that's the Lee Team Memphis at gmail.com. I'll give you a telephone number, 378-0433. So now I'm still, I'm still amazed. No contingencies. Get all my stuff in a, in a row. Strong offer. Um, I got to be able to pay for it is that that has to be a part of the strong offer. So should I be pre-approved before I walk in the door? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you almost always want to be pre-approved before you even start looking at houses so that you can um, submit your offer with your pre-approval letter and you're ready and you know and you're comfortable so that you can provide a strong offer for that. We're going to ask Sean Pillay. He's with one of our guys in the office, also works with Dane in our insurance division. And Sean, you have just gone through a refinancing. And it was one of those situations where uh, it's, uh, it's tough. It's, uh, it's uh, a lot of more paperwork, a lot more questions. It's not like it was in the, say, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So kind of describe that process for us, for, for what happened to our listeners. Sure. Um, so it's, it's somewhat similar to getting your loan for buying your home, right? So it's all that paperwork. It's making sure you have everything um, ready to go, making sure it's, um, it's all accurate as well, because accuracy can make, sure, can make or break getting a loan. Um, you don't want to fudge any of those numbers. Um, and just having a strong relationship with your mortgage lender as well. So that doesn't always occur. Mm-hmm. If this is my first home, I am shopping for a mortgage lender. What do you suggest for someone? I mean, I've never bought a house before in my life, so therefore I don't know how to go about that. Walk me through what things you think you should be doing. Sure. Um, So I would interview multiple mortgage lenders just like you would your realtor, right? You want to fit with that mortgage lender and feel comfortable with that lender um, to make sure that you're getting the best deal um, and that they are knowledgeable about the products that you're getting from them. So is the price point important? It absolutely is. Um, so you want to make sure that you have the correct um, interest rate as well as um, the price of your loan. All right. Now, let me ask you this then. Amanda, I want to lean in on you. I'm going to buy a house. Is there a certain market when you talk about it's hot everywhere? Is there a certain price of, of house that's hotter than others? Is a $100,000 home easier to sell than a $250,000 home or a half million dollar home? I'm just asking. Usually the lower end seems to go faster because the market is and bigger. the buyer pool is so much larger. Okay. But for the million dollar homes, the bigger homes that are going to sell, they may sit for a little bit longer, but not much. Not much. Not okay. much, not right now. So if you're going to go, as Sean was just telling us, if you're going to go and get all your pricing done, 
you need to have that needs to be done way before you start shopping for a home. Absolutely. I mean, this is not something you go, well, I'll shop, find me a house, go see if I get approved for that. That doesn't happen anymore. You've got to set your price of a house. Walk me through that. I'm a non, never bought a house before. This is my first. You're my realtor. Tell me what I got to do. So usually my first question is, do you have a lender you like? And they say, X, Y, Z. I don't know. Um, they are they or like do you have any recommendations i always recommend especially with the market we're in going with a local lender that you can get in front of and kind of make sure your realtor can say hey um i got to get all this done right now like i need to know you could close this this is really important for our contract um but you also want to make sure you're getting someone that's going to give you the best deal when you're coming to the closing table so that most of your money is actually going towards your house so that makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that I see also, I think you hit on something big there with having a local lender because you may need to go get in front of them, get them documents, sign them today or get your hands around their neck. Whatever it is that's going on, you want to make sure that you've got someone local, but also someone that you trust because you're going to have to divulge all kinds of information about them that you may not have shared with anyone else in your life. They're going to know what you make and what kind of debt you have. There really is a level of vulnerability that you're going to have to have with your lender that you need to know um, that you trust them. You know, trust becomes a big issue. So, Amanda, I want to dive into this for just a second because actually Sean mentioned it. Go out and do the research looking for your mortgage lender and, and that, but trust. And I know, I mean, some people, I'm not sure everybody understands the value of a real estate agent. I mean, I think that's sometimes people say, oh, I can go find a house and I can do it myself and all those things. But help me understand the value that you bring to the table. And I think this is critical for our listeners. And also I want to lean into after that into how do I interview for a for a, the type of realtor that fits me. So value first. Um, obviously a realtor has like their nose. They know things in the MLS. They know other agents. They can work through it. Um, we know all the processes. We know lenders. We have contacts. So we can put you in contact with people we know have proven to be extremely helpful, beneficial for you, um, can put you in the right spot and make sure that you know everything that you need to know before you get into a pretty large purchase. I mean, this is most, most people, I like what you said that most people, this is the largest purchase of their life and you don't want to make a mistake in it. I mean, if you've bought and sold a home over the last couple of years, you know, when you walk into the closing, you know, they will end the contracts in a wheelbarrow. They don't bring them in. It's like paper, mounds of paper. You know, real estate the attorneys just, you know, they charge by, you know, this this weighed 27 pounds. It's worth it. That's how they, I mean, I think that's how they do it. I'm just kidding. But the reality is, I mean, it's a big purchase for a person's life. And Dane, I know you're working with a lot of people because you're looking at tying into the, the insurance side of that. What do you see from your chair when people are going through this process? Are they sweating bullets or what are they thinking? Well, you know, it really has a huge impact. If you've got a great agent like Amanda, you've got someone that you can lean on and that has prepared you for what the timeline is, then a lot of times you're not rushing right there at the end for closing because she's prepared for you about what needs to happen at this point and what needs to happen at that next point so that you have a lot of that anxiety that's removed. It doesn't make it a not stressful situation because there's a ton of money that's involved. 
But knowing what's coming can be a huge benefit for you as you're going through this process because you're not trying to get the fastest insurance quote you can get just to make it to closing. Instead, you could have found something that is right for you. You didn't just have to choose any inspector that was available. You were able to get a good one and be able to do all of the things that need to happen for the closing. I hear what you guys are saying. Let me see if I can summarize this and then I'm going to ask you, how do I find a good good realtor? I want to know the things you should look for. I think what I heard is multiple a process, multiple planning. This is don't get up on a Friday morning and say, hey, tomorrow we're going to go buy a house. You can't do that. Not in today's market. It's a seller's market. You've got to be, if you're a buyer, you got to pay attention. You got to do some planning. You got to decide. And what I heard you say, and I think it's important, Amanda, is that you have your nose out there. You have that mindset of what's going on in the market. I come to you and I say with my wife and we're talking, we say we want to live in this neighborhood this time. You already know if there's anything available instead of me driving around. And that can be sometimes confusion is can create more problems and good communication from a realtor helps a person to keep from getting commu- you know, confused. So help me out. Tell our listeners what should they do when they're interviewing? What should they look for? You want to find a realtor that will actually invest in you um, because you want them to be someone that is looking out for your best interest. Like I strive to make sure that um, my clients know that I like the house or I hate it. I will tell them upfront. I'm like, this is awful or this is amazing. You need to buy it right now. Um, I, that's sometimes a flaw uh, for my husband, but um, <laughs> I, I'm I like extremely honest. Him. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, but you want to make sure they communicate with you. Well, you want to make sure they're really in it to, create that relationship with you. I want you to love your house. We want you to be in the home that you love until you're not ready to be there anymore and you want to move to the next one and you'll call me again. Um, But communication, um, someone that's going to invest in you and actually form a relationship instead of just trying to make a buck. And having someone that's going to communicate the way you want to be communicated to. Uh, I've got to have a hard conversation with you that this house is not a great fit for you. How do you like to have that communication given to you? Is it an in-faith conversation or whatever? And Sean said, we bottom line is do the paperwork, find out what you're looking for, and and just know that he's got, you know, when you're doing the refinancing or you're buying a house, all of this is not something that just happens tomorrow. It's It's a process and you got to plan for it. If you'd like to get in touch with Lee, Miss Lee, Amanda, it's Lee Team Memphis. That's Amanda Lee at Lee Team. It's L-E-E Team Memphis at gmail.com. And her telephone number is 378-0433. Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today. Great job. Beautiful smile. You lightened up this place a lot with these other two guys in here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. All right. Now, we're going to come back in a few minutes, and I have uh, a time. We're going to talk about what really goes on after the house is bought. I've invited both Sean and Dane to help me understand how do I put all this insurance. I've just bought a new home. I want to make sure I'm purchasing the right amount of homeowner's insurance to make sure that if that house burns in two days, I am covered. That would be terrible if you think about it. I should have said that. We'll come back. We'll talk more about it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer. Member FNIRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 
This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Neither Securing Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Amanda Lee or Keller Williams. The views and opinions expressed are those of Amanda Lee only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securing Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. You know, we just had a great conversation. I hope you're thinking about buying a home. It's the 4th of July. You know, get out. Maybe now you can find that you can do something and COVID-19 is not going to be such a problem for you. And get out and start looking. Find you a good real estate agent You know, if you're looking to buy. I know it's a seller's market right now, but if you've got someone that can really help you, and Amanda Lee with Keller Williams Realty, she'd be the person I'd go talk to simply because I think she's got a ton of information. And if you're looking to buy, I would call her on the phone and simply get her to help you out. Now, it is a seller's market. So that means you've got to be prepared. And as Sean told us earlier, you got to do your mortgage. We'll have a mortgage person in a couple of weeks from now. And I think we'll talk about specifically some things that would help you if you're in that process. But if you need to ask these guys questions, you can call both Sean or Dane at the office uh, at any time and uh, at 901 757 We're going to be talking now over the next few minutes about homeowners insurance. Because you're about to buy a home. It's your biggest investment. I just was talking to someone the other day, and literally he's having to replace a roof. You know, it was that little bitty leaks that just begin to kind of all of a sudden show up. And then next thing you know, it's a bigger leak. And next thing you know, he's got a problem. Then he has to get out. And also, well, it's turned out that he had a lot of damage that he was not even aware of. And he is having to replace a roof. And I don't know if you haven't uh, re, you know, priced the cost of a roof in your home, on your home today, you ought to. Yeah, I mean, he told me what it was going to cost him if it hadn't been for his insurance company. And, uh, you know, we both kind of hit our knees. That's a lot of money for a roof on a house today. So, Dane Williams, welcome again, sir. And Sean McPlay, welcome to the program again. Hey, whatever. <laughs> it's a tongue, guys. It's a tongue. And it just can't get it fixed. But uh, here's, here's what we're talking about, guys. We're literally looking at homeowners insurance. And, Dane, I'm going to start with you. I, there's so much noise in Memphis. I mean, covered or not covered? Start with that. That's kind of the, you know, the, kind of the question. What to cover, what to not cover? Yeah, it can be um, a pretty daunting question to try to answer because there's a lot uh, that goes into it. And there's obviously a lot of just misinformation out there from you hearing what your neighbors went through, or your buddies went through, or whatever it is, because you assume all homeowners insurance contracts are created equal. And I'm here to tell you that they are not. Um, there, there's a lot of difference um, in the policies that you may get from one company versus another company. And you want to make sure that you understand it or that you've got an agent that you trust that's made sure you have the coverage that you need. Now, you guys are independent, meaning that explain what that means, Sean, the, the independence, because, you know, you don't see a shield or you don't see it. You don't advertised on the television every other day or every other minute. So when it says independent agent, what does that mean for everybody listening? 
Yeah. So an independent agent, uh, we actually have the capability of running multiple quotes for you through multiple companies. So we have relationships with multiple companies um, to make sure that you have the correct coverage that fits you um, as well as the correct price. All right. So does that, I mean, the way you said that, that sounds like a plus. Here's my question. That sounds like a plus for me, the buyer. But do you have the leverage with that company to get something if I have a problem? Do you have the leverage with that company? I mean, if I've got the whatever, you know, I'm just going to use, the, and I'm not going to say any name of a company, but, but if I've got the loyalty and I'm that agent and I'm a captive agent, I ought to have some pull with them if I'm a big agent. At least that's what I would tell you if we were competing you know, that's what I would tell the customer. Is that true or not true? Is I mean, I need that. I need you to give me an answer to that. Yeah. So we are your go-to uh, for that company. So it doesn't mean that we just have a lot of these companies and then we just kick you off to have a relationship with a one eight hundred number. I'm your go-to if you have an issue with, you know, just like you mentioned, your roof. So if you've got an issue with your roof, I'm your guy to call. Let's and- correct this right here. Not my roof. Yes. No, right. <laughs> not my roof. Yeah, I mean, Knock on wood, right? Yes. Right. Right. But yeah, so that's where, you know, we have that personal relationship with our clients. Um, they're not just a policy for us. Um, we're not just going to kick them off to a company, write a policy, kick them off to a company and, and go from there. Um, I'm absolutely your go-to to call, email, um, and go from there. Yeah, we're starting to see more and more of the carriers start to shift towards an independent agent model. Um, Nationwide just recently got rid of all of their considered captive agents, people that just work for them, and they're going strictly independent. Um, and you're starting to see that more and more just because consumers are realizing having choices is a, um, a great thing, right? Uh, it is if one carrier decides they're going to take a lot of rate one year because they need to make up some profits they may have lost the previous year, they've got to raise the rates. Well, if we're an independent, we can shop you back out and you don't have to go through the hassle of, let me meet 6,000 more salespeople that are going to blow up my phone and email to try to sell me insurance. Instead, I've got my one independent agent that's able to shop me back out to the market and find what I need. And when you say shop me back out to the market, that's a that's a term. Explain that for our listeners. Shop me back out. Okay? Yeah. Is that good English? I'm not sure. Uh, well, and there's probably other terms. That sometimes you'll hear an agent call it remarketing. But remarketing. Okay. What we're doing is, is we're essentially gathering quotes from the carriers that we have access to. We've got an idea now of your your risk profile. I know what cars you have. I know how many drivers are in your house. I know about the home you live in and your claims history at that point. And now what I want to do is I want to go back to all of my carriers and say, you know, we've been with this company for however many years, but now I'd like to get rates on today's prices and see if we can find something that's going to be a better fit for the clients at that point. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I, I that that helps helps me understand that you should have my best interest at heart all the time. Every year, if I need, if you you know, now I, let's let's go from here. If you're going to keep me in a in a quality plan at a reasonable price, that is your objective. Correct. Yeah. Right. We are, we are, um, price is obviously a piece of, uh, any insurance conversation because if you can't afford it, it doesn't make sense. But the, uh, the most expensive insurance policy you can have is usually a cheap one. One that doesn't cover anything, right? Because when life happens, because we know life will happen at some point and you don't have the coverage that you think you do, um, it can make a big difference. And, and with us having the relationship with Shoemaker that we do, we want to make sure that we're putting quality carriers and quality products in front of our clients. Okay, that leads me to this question. Because, because you simply said 
things that may not be covered. What are some of the common things, Sean, that are not covered by traditional homeowners? I mean, things that you just say, traditional homeowners insurance, that's not covered. Right. Uh, big ones are flood and earthquake. So those two main things that we think of are just automatically in our homeowners insurance policies, typically are not. Are not. Yes, now, all right. When you say not, I, I think that's critical for me because I live in the New Madrid default line, okay? And Dana, I, should I have homeowners insurance? I mean, I guarantee you everybody listening right now thought, okay, so homeowners and floods not, I mean, uh, earthquake and floods not covered. If I live on the top of a hill, I'm not too concerned about flood. If I live in a floodplain, I should, but everybody lives in this new Madrid fault. Should everybody have earthquake insurance? You know, it's one of those things that we, we look at um, earthquakes and in, in the history of what we had. I, I know Every year since I was a kid learning about how the globe is made and whatnot, they've told us that the big one's coming, and at some point Memphis is right. going to get it, right? Um, and I remember talking with that Jeff Long, who was our planner for a gazillion years, and he said they told me that in third grade too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, you know, it hadn't happened yet. If we have an earthquake, I hope that you have uh, earthquake insurance. Um, we, we've got to make sure it fits within your financial practice but, or your, your financial picture. But having earthquake insurance is a, a good way to make sure that if we do have a total loss, that you're going to be able to rebuild because without it, it can really mean total devastation to your financial picture. All right. You guys really kind of late because, because obviously earthquake is not covered. All right. I live downtown in a very nice apartment. Okay. It's a high rise. It's very comfortable. It's right on the bluff, you know. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I should. I'm not going to use my great city because I won't do that. My great city has done a phenomenal job of avoiding all the problems at St. Louis and Chicago and Atlanta. So we didn't do that. So let's take us to Atlanta, okay? I don't live in <laughs> this. Is I live in Atlanta today, okay? And I happen to be next to the burning zone, okay? Am I covered? Yeah, so every homeowner's insurance has a list of covered perils, right? And there's 16 typically. One of them is riot and civil unrest. So if there is damage that you experience due to a riot or civil unrest, then that is going to be a covered loss under a standard homeowner's insurance contract. Um, the biggest thing is knowing that your homeowner's policy that you have, it is a black and white contract. There are things that say these specific items, if they cause a loss, then you're covered. And if it's something outside of this, then there's no coverage provided. There is some black and whiteness to it. You just have to be able to speak legalese to really understand it or have an agent that's going to help you work well, through Well, you that. know, I, I appreciate what you're saying because obviously you guys, and Sean, help me with this, you guys sit down with the client and you actually go through it and say, this is covered, this is not covered. Help me with an idea. I, I, actually, I, you know, I think what's happened here, and Dane, you've very clearly defined that it would be covered if I lived in Atlanta under burning. So I had somebody to tell me they were not covered. They didn't think they were covered. Hmm. And, and uh, that's great to know, and I think our listeners would appreciate that. And again, I'm proud of our city. We've been just a tremendous, tremendous, the way we've handled all the things that have been going on. But Sean, here's, here's my thought for you in, in this idea. When I start covering things, is there a, a list of things that people think are covered that are not? Or are there a list of things that you suggest they cover, such as jewelry? I mean, I know jewelry, guns, people, you know, collect guns or those things that are collectible items. I had a, uh, years ago, a very dear friend that had a very, very uh, nice coin collection. 
and um, somebody decided they knew where it was, and mm. <laughs> I guess they went and borrowed it and put it in the slot machines. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> These, you know, at a quarter worth $3,000. Now it's in a slot machine someplace. I'm just kidding. But you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are things that people should be covering and maybe they don't realize they're not covered? Yeah, absolutely. So that's where... You know, Dane and I do a really good job of not just having that basic conversation of how much is your home, how much do we need to cover it for, um, but actually doing a deep dive in that conversation of really seeing, okay, do you have any of those collectibles? As you mentioned, it can be art pieces, coin collections, jewelry. Um, Sometimes your homeowners will cover up to a certain small amount. um, But if you've got a pretty expensive ring, you definitely want to look at having it covered separately. Um, or added into your homeowner's policy. So it's one of those things where if you have an agent that truly takes the time to make sure that all of your things that you have worked really hard for are covered, they're going to actually uncover that and ask you those questions to make sure it is. All right, that's critical. They ask you the questions, do the planning. That's part of your process. Absolutely. We want to make sure that if you've got something that is a couple thousand dollars worth of value, that it has special attention. Because like Sean said, standard jewelry on it is going to be in the low thousands, 2,000, 3,000. And a lot of times that can be, you know, one piece, a wedding ring that, that exceeds that. But if you also, I know if I just look in the, the jewelry box at, at my house, right, there may be uh, a, a few different items that total up over a few thousand dollars. And uh, you can easily see how, if you had a total loss, how you wouldn't be able to recover all of the jewelry that you may lose. Well, I think that's important. And guys, you've done a great job helping me understand. And if you want to talk to these guys, simply give them a call at 757-5757. I really think that I know I'm guilty of this, thinking my homeowners, you know, I did this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And listen to me, everybody listening, you've done the same thing I've done. You do it, you forget it, you don't even think about it, and now you got a claim. That's not healthy. That's not the way you handle stress and anxiety. <laughs> you look at it, oh, it's covered, you know, or what? You need to be talking, you need to be reviewing this, and that, Dane, that's what you're talking about. Well, let me bring another person into the studio. Shannon Dyson's here with us. Shannon's going to be talking about some things, but Shannon, you do work with these guys all the time in the, in the insurance division. How do you see homeowners and what, what are some of the questions you think are important? Yeah, thanks for having me back again, uh, Jim. One of the things that, that I, I see, especially when storms come through um, and, a, and a question that often comes up because we all know what happens. A storm comes through, uh, you ha- have some people knocking on your door asking you to take a look at your roof because you may have some roof damage. Um, the question I think that comes up a lot is when you're a homeowner um, and you're looking and saying, should I get a new roof? Should I not get a new roof? Um, and, and it's, you can get this roof for free. This is going to be a free roof job for you. Um, what are some things you should think about as far as your insurance goes? Okay. My, my insurance will probably pay for this. Um, is it something I should do? Uh, and what maybe are some of the ramifications that would happen later on if I do decide to do that? Yeah. So I I have a a unique background in that before I got to Shoemaker, I spent three years in roofing. So these are conversations that I've had from the other side as well. And and I would say that you want to make sure that you you do have that good relationship with your agent so that you can feel comfortable asking questions about this. I I think I may have a claim. Someone told me I did uh, just last week. I, I had two friends that are still in roofing that I was able to send out to client's house and they can say, look, I don't know who knocked on your door. They may have been a great roofer. They may have been a terrible roofer. I don't know, but I know I trust this guy. Let's have him take a look. He's going to let you know, yes, it's there. No, it's not. And then we can start the claim process. Um, If there's no damage there, you don't want to have that claim on your record. 
And if you've got someone that's just knocking on your door, they may just be trying to get business. And they say, let's roll the dice and see if the insurance company will pay for it. Versus if I've had somebody that we trust that is reputable, that does good work that's been up there and they've seen the damage, they can say, let's go ahead, get the insurance company out here and have them. Because if you do have storm damage, uh, your insurance agent is not against you. We want you to get paid for what the damage that you have so that you can put life back together. Boy, that is uh, well said, Dane. I think that is your, the insurance agent is not against you. They're working with you to get the proper. You've paid the premiums. You're entitled to handle a true claim. Absolutely. And we know there are people, frauds and stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a true claim. You're the guy, the advocate for the individual. And that's critical from that standpoint. You know, even, so you, you do get the new roof. Uh, you needed it. You had some some damage, some, some water leaking into your home, whatever it might be. You've got your roof replaced. Um, as that homeowner moving now through the next year, you get your renewal from your insurance carrier. Um, you may have gotten an increase. Um, what, what, sh- what should be some things that you are expecting if you've had that big claim? Yeah, so you are likely going to have an increase, right? Anytime there are, are claims, generally speaking. But also we see that insurance is, is generally going up year over year anyway. So if you're someone that's owned a home for a while, you've seen the homeowner's insurance bill likely increase because the rebuild cost of your home is increasing as well, just with inflation. The cost of materials, just walk down the aisles of Home Depot and you'll realize it's more expensive than it was 10 years ago. So your homeowner's insurance is naturally increasing for that. And if you have a claim, there is likely to be some level of increase. The type of claim you have is going to determine the level of increase you have. If it's something that's unavoidable, a tornado comes through Memphis and knocks down every single house. Well, there's really nothing you could have done about that. And that's likely going to be deemed a catastrophe that's not as punitive. But if you have something that is uh, theft claims because you just you leave the door open and somebody walked in and got it, then that's likely going to carry a little bit more weight and probably have more of an increase to it than that. And also size of the claim. A great big claim, probably more of an increase just for them to try to break even again on you at some point. Well said. Very good. Both of you guys did a great job. That's Sean and Dane and 75757 is their telephone number. Give them a call if you have questions. Shannon, I want to ask you a question because it's at that point in time we have now just recently seen that the CARES Act and the PPP has come to fruition and it's done. Its money's all been dispersed to everybody. And now you've got to decide how do I put it back together to be able to make it forgivable? This loan that I have, I want to be able to. So a lot of business owners are really struggling with that. You deal with this a lot in your practice. What are you telling people? Yeah, it's felt a little strange not talking about the PPP as much lately, but uh, everybody has been in a, or business owners that received the loan uh, have been, you know, let's put our heads down, work, go to work, use this money to, uh, to help us stay afloat. Uh, and now the reason that most businesses took this loan, of course, to help their businesses, but it was that you can get the loan forgiven. Um, and so now we're to a point where how do we get the loan forgiven? And that's what's in the news today. Uh, banks releasing new applications. Uh, there are two different applications. Um, one for if you had uh, employees that you actually had to terminate throughout the time, and so you've had some changes in your employment, you may have a little bit longer of an application to complete, uh, calculating a lot of numbers, a lot of full-time employee numbers, part-time employee numbers. Uh, if your business stayed pretty much the same, uh, there's, a, there's a smaller application. It's called the EZ, the EZ application. Uh, and so with that application, it's much, uh, much easier to complete. Uh, but the main thing uh, right now is that you should be, as a business owner, if you did receive the PPP loan, 
uh, be reaching out to your bank if they have not already reached out to you and start asking them the questions, what is my process uh, for getting this loan forgiven? Does that mean that you really, this is, you've got to lean into the bank and you've got to get prepared? This is not something that's just going to be flippantly done. I've heard a lot of people ask me that it, and it is confusing. So in one or two words, thought of, to help me understand, what do I need to do right now? Right now, yes. You said lean into your bank. Absolutely. Call your bank. Many banks still have not sent out documentation or any emails or notifications to tell you Here's what you need to do to apply for your loan forgiveness. You need to be making those phone calls yourself. Um, you need to be gathering the information on the money that you've spent. Hopefully you've been keeping records on the money that was spent using the, the loan money. Uh, be gathering that doc, those documents. They're going to ask for them. They're going to want to see where that money was spent. If you remember, a certain percentage had to be spent on payroll. We can talk about that a little bit later if you'd like, but that's changed over time. Uh, started out at 75%, now it's 60% had to be spent on payroll. So they're trying, the SBA, when I say they, the SBA is trying to make it more forgivable and easier to be forgiven. Um, but that doesn't mean that the process and the application is easy. I, I've seen it, I've gone through the application. Uh, it's lengthy, it's detailed, uh, and it will take some time to complete for sure. So a small business owner needs to have probably some advice at least with their bank to make through, and it is an SBA loan, so they got to have it processed. And I think everybody knows that that's a government agency, so you've got right. to make it government accurate. Well, and the the biggest thing too with the PPP, there were two different types of loans, and on the PPP side, it is an SBA loan, but it was done through your local bank. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to get forgiven because these banks have to answer for the loans that they've given out. These banks will also uh, have the SBA forgive their interest rates or different things that they may charge on those loans. And so the banks have to prove we provided this money to legitimate lenders and they use the money for legitimate purposes. And, you know, we've got a history with the banks that they that didn't work out too well at 08 and 09. So they're going to be much tighter. Sean mentioned that earlier that banks are tough, you know, as far as getting a loan. Let me say this. Thank you, Shannon, for giving us that update. And again, to Dane and, and to um, Sean for being a part of today's program too. You've been listening of course to KWAM, the mighty 990 and FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest Amanda Lee with Keller, Keller Williams Realty, if you'd like to call her 378-0433 and of course you know you can always call Dane, Sean or Shannon at 757-5757 if you'd like to talk with them personally. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial or listen by podcast at kwam990.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Whether you're looking for help on topics like buying a home, investing a 401k, buying insurance, as these guys talked about, are looking for tips on how to get a jump start on your savings. This is the program that's here every week to help you make the most of your money. Next week, Bob Dahl, Senior Portfolio Manager, Nuveen Investments. And Bob's going to talk about his 2020 economic predictions. Scott Jordan will guide us through the process of selecting a portfolio mix that best is suited for your risk temperament. You don't want to miss that. Let me just say this. I appreciate the fact that this is the 4th of July. 
Thank you for being a part of today's program. Celebrate. Be safe. We are so thankful. This is our great country. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA From the lakes of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Well, there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up Next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA And I'm proud to be an American Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.